Hey, and welcome to You Don't Care About This Band. I'm Joe. And I'm Stephanie. We're a band called Separator, and this is our podcast. Welcome. Hi, thanks for coming back or coming for the first time. Episode 15, I believe, maybe. I think it's 15. And uh, and we're going to revisit one of the one of the kind of series that we started which is gig horror stories yeah when we've talked about this a bit before but when you're a band that's one of the main ways you can actually bond with other bands one of our favorite bands that we've met while playing shows they're called north by north and they were touring 300 days a year dates um all around the country they even went to uh to europe and they were the band we bonded the most with. And I'm pretty sure it all started with just talking about weird gigs, not even just bad gigs, but weird gigs. Yeah. It's like it, you kind of can't help it. That's the first thing that comes up when Mm -hmm. you're like hanging out, talking to a new band, especially if they're on tour Mm -hmm. and it's like, how's the tour going? And then you hear like the wild story (laughs) from when they were in Idaho or whatever, you know? And so, you know, swapping war stories with bands is always fun and, and funny. So we thought, uh that'd be a good a good thing to bring into the podcast so this is gig horror stories volume two and we should mention you know there's an infinite number of ways that gigs can go wrong or be weird um but it's not always someone else's fault we've had our share of of bad gigs that we've had to learn lessons from ourselves yeah yeah it's a good caveat to put out there you know we're gonna trash on uh, you know we're gonna tell some stories about like can you believe this band did this and this sound guy was rude or whatever mm-hmm. but a lot of our bad gigs are just learning experiences that we've had but mm-hmm. uh but you know we like to frame it in a in a more fun way <laughs> <laughs> than like than than that so so this is a perfect way to do it yeah Should we get into the trenches yeah the first story we want to talk about happened here in Bellingham. Um, we had a band we've mentioned a lot before. It was called The Shows. And all of these horror stories pretty much come from that era. And uh, so this was early on. We hadn't played very many gigs. We had played a series at um, The Shakedown, a local venue that is called Showdown at The Shakedown, where new bands have a chance to play a short set and do like a battle of the bands type of thing and we had played that got to the final didn't win um, but the venue really liked us and so they put us on a local showcase for new bands that they thought were worth people coming to see yeah it was really exciting Mm -hmm. it was cool because it was being heavily promoted with the local radio station as well and the local music magazine called what's up and uh and so my our our annoyance with this gig started well before the gig so uh the issue of the magazine comes out and there's a blurb about the show and an ad for the show Mm -hmm. like awesome Mm -hmm. that's great but in that in the blurb they did what we exclusive we would whoever we talked to Mm -hmm. we would always in that band we would always say can you avoid um show puns because our name was the shows wasn't our favorite name it was just kind of we couldn't come up with anything better at the time so we went with this name the shows but like can you avoid shows puns Mm -hmm. with live shows Mm -hmm. and there was one right in the blurb like so go catch a shows show ha 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 or whatever like oh god damn it yeah we really brought it upon ourselves but 
it was frustrating <laughs> still. Yeah, because we didn't. We were trying to present ourselves, you know, in a. We weren't like a jokey band, really. Yeah, we took it really seriously. So uh, then, in the ad, I notice it says start time ten p.m. This is four bands, and it's not like the showdown thing where mm-hmm. it's twenty minute sets. These are full sets, and uh, and it's a Thursday night. Yeah, which are actually kind of decent nights for for bands to play but uh we had started seeing this trend that was so strange to us about venues having four band bills consistently on weeknights and pushing them later instead of starting at you know eight or nine they're starting at 10 or 11 and we kind of understood where they're coming from you know get people to come and there's more bands and they'll stay but what really would happen is that people would see it was so late um, and they would know that they wouldn't be able to kind of hang out and chat. And so they would only come for their friend's band, which is a problem anyway, but this just exacerbated it um, because they would they would know that they could just come see that band and go home or they'd be more likely, instead of waiting around 20 minutes in between each band for them to set up, they would just go see the one band and then go across the street and, and have like three more drinks. Right. So it's really taking money away from the venue, even though they think, oh, we'll have music so for so long that people will have a bunch of drinks. But I don't ever think that actually played out in, in a venue's favor. Luckily, in recent years, we really started to see um, venues pivoting towards um, like three band bills that started a little earlier mm-hmm. and trying to encourage the bands to like promote this as like big events mm-hmm. for people to come to the whole thing. And, and that's combated that issue mm-hmm. really well. But, but this is back, you know, this is like 2013. Yeah. So, so it was still just these like super long bills that started at 10 PM. And, and so, uh, we get, I, oh, so I emailed. Oh yeah. You emailed to ask because I guess they hadn't given us the time yet before. We hadn't heard like final details Mm -hmm. yet, but we saw this ad. And so I, I emailed the, the booker. I was like, Hey, you know, we're pretty new. We don't know too much about how this works, but I just wanted to ask, like it's Thursday night at 10 PM, four bands, full sets. Uh, isn't that, isn't the last band, the last two bands really like going to be kind of screwed and um they had a really nice reply they were like hey totally understand what you're saying we're kind of experimenting right now because we've crowds on thursday nights have been really good and late okay okay That's fair. Let's, let's try it yeah yeah they had seen some people some shows have success later on um but I think that had more to do with the kinds of bands they were booking for those shows. Yeah, when you apply that to a local showcase of mm-hmm. newer bands, it didn't didn't really work out too well. <laughs> so we get there, and of course, you know, we're on time as always. Not sure about the other bands. Usually, some bands are late or whatever. Um, and it never starts when it's supposed to start. So even though it's at 10 p.m., you'd think it would be very easy to start exactly on time it probably started at around like ten thirty. yeah yeah first band up was this band i think was called riverboat they were they were kind of a, a take on like the indie uh, or the like folk punk thing and they had like painted faces so it was like an interesting enough take on that genre 
and they didn't go with our kind of music at all but that was sort of already forgiven because it's a local showcase Mm -hmm. so people who come supposedly the idea being people would come just to see bands based on the venue thinking they're good and not because they all play the same kind of music so this band um like i said interesting enough take on the genre but when the first band does this it derails the whole night right away and it's that overplaying Mm -hmm. overplaying past your allotted time they played definitely, I want to say at least 15 minutes longer than their set list. And this is on the sound person too. Oh, it was way longer. Really? It was like long enough that we were all like, did, are you kidding me? Did they play for a full hour? It, it, it might have been. That's what I remember is okay. it just went on and on and, and they just kept saying like two more, two more, two more. Mm-hmm. They probably had a friend in the audience clapping for them and so they thought that meant every single person wanted them to play (laughs) four more songs and it's one of those sets where like yeah this is an interesting take on the genre but like you you can start to feel it in the room Mm -hmm. and on stage it's harder to tap into that but Mm -hmm. it's an important skill set Mm -hmm. and um, but you know we're standing in the audience and you kind of start to see about 15 minutes in the fog set in (laughs) and everyone starts to have that jingle go through their head like let's all go to the lobby let's all go to the lobby and the little popcorn and the and the soda are dancing around (laughs) yeah we had uh, there was a someone from another band that what did what did the band say? They said, "Let's." Well, they said play. two more again, and it was probably an hour into the set. And so our friend that was in another local band just yelled, "No!" <laughs> just yelled no at them, and was, then they probably we were pretty sure they wrapped up quickly after that. Yeah. So then we took the stage perfectly fine show i think it went over well i don't really remember too much about our set because we were sort of like still like what the hell was that yeah so talking about the show starting at 10 we were probably going on stage after eleven thirty at this point so an hour and a half into when the show was supposed to be and we're it might have been even later for switchover times in between so that's already pretty off the rails pretty late um, it's the first band has played and people are already starting to go like, how long do I have to stay here? Right. Especially when you, so there's this, I'll, tr- I'll try to be quick here cause mm-hmm. we got other gigs we want to talk about. But when you tell your friends, like it starts at this time and mm-hmm. we're second. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can, um, like they're asking what time it starts. You don't want to tell them like, Oh, just come to see us. Mm-hmm. You know, you're trying to make it a cool thing where they can come see the whole show so I tell them what time it actually starts. So now they've been there since 10. You know, it was mm-hmm. a half an hour late starting. They watched some other band that they didn't like for an hour. Now we're trying to like hurry up and set up to take the stage. You know, it's it's stressful. You kind of feel accountable. It's on mm-hmm. you. You mm-hmm. brought your friends here and and they're like, you know, looking kind of miserable. <laughs> I know. They'd rather go... Again, they'd rather go across the street and have a drink at the bar without music so they can talk to each other. Now, you know, some people love live music and they'll stick around all night and they'll watch whatever band. That's great. But, you know, we have to be honest with ourselves here. Like the majority of people, it's not not really their thing. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to get them to come out. Mm -hmm. So anyway, let's move on with the night here. Yeah. So we can kind of go through it pretty quickly. But then there's another band after us. This band also plays for an hour 
also plays for an hour. And you have, these are bands that are like brand new. They don't have a fan base. They have friends. They just don't understand anything about. And it's funny because this this third band actually still exists, has a lot of fans locally, but I think even on a bigger level. So I guess there's no accounting for some some things I just don't understand, but they yeah. obviously are doing something right. But um, again, they play for an hour and there's still another band. And what we haven't even mentioned is the last band was the best band of the night. They were a band we were excited to play with and yeah. excited to see. Yeah, they were. We played, ended up playing multiple shows with them before the people in the band sort of moved to different places and, and moved up in their lives. But we were so excited to actually play a show with them um, because we thought they were the coolest thing going on. And they took the stage at one in the morning <laughs> in front of Stephanie and I, and that's it. The two of us at, at one on a Thursday evening. <laughs> so that was that show. Yeah. It was very frustrating, but it was also a good learning experience because you start to think about those concepts mm -hmm. and like, well, what do I want to tell people when they ask when to come mm -hmm. and how do we start to combat this this issue of like the night goes on and on and people are fatigued, their ears are fatigued. They kind of just want to go outside and talk mm -hmm. to their friends. So it was a good, in that sense, it was, it was a good learning experience, mm -hmm. but I, I would say that it's one of the early horror stories. <sighs> that not, was not too rough. It just, it just felt endless. That's the thing. It just felt like it was never going to end. Yeah. So what are, what are we talking about next? I think we wanted to talk about the High Dive, which is a really awesome venue in Fremont in Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite places to play ever is the High Dive. And I love the Fremont area in Seattle. It's sort of on the... Out like the northern part. Yeah, but yeah, like yeah. To, towards the water. But it's kind of its own little neighborhood and mm -hmm. it's really cool. It's a place I would love to live. And... um. And this venue, the High Dive, is really cool. They're very nice to bands. And, and there's a, a green room with, like, free drinks. And there's half-off tacos next door. And shout-out, special shout-out to the booker there, this guy, Kimo. And, uh, and he has always been very kind and given us a chance. Mm -hmm. And the first chance he gave us, we went and played to over 100 people. And they were, like, at capacity. Yeah, it was one of our funnest shows and we got a great response and it's a it's a neat venue. It's in a good spot. The nothing super distinguishing about the inside, but it does have a nice stage. They have adequate power, um, which isn't always the case. Good sound. Good sound. Um, yeah, sound guys there, sound people. I need to stop saying sound guys. <laughs> yeah. uh, sound engineers, always cool there. Yeah, so we were instantly in love with this place. You know, we had nothing to do with the fact that it was at capacity for that show mm -hmm. because we were very new and now we're going from Bellingham to Seattle and they're just giving us a chance. Now we had a little convoy of friends come, but that only accounted for say 12 people. Yeah. And our friends, it was so nice of them to come and it was a great show for people to come to. And we just felt really awesome about that night. And so we wanted to play there again. <laughs> so we get another show set up there and we don't really know much about this one, but same went for the first one too. So mm -hmm. how bad could this be? So we get it booked, you know, 
and and again i just want to reiterate like we're not saying that like we know everything and everyone else was stupid and did everything wrong because we were also like not promoting enough and didn't know how to properly book Mm -hmm. properly promote this is early on Mm -hmm. but back to the story with that in (laughs) mind so we we were just like okay great this place rocks there was people there let's go do that again yeah so we go and we get there and first thing um, I'm not sure how much we looked into the bands. We always try and look into the bands beforehand, but even then you never really know what you're getting. Um, so it's, there's one of the acts is a solo guy from Portland. He's like on tour. And he played like kind of Dylan-esque stuff, I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. Um, completely different from, we were very, we were very like punk influenced at the time punk noise pop sort of stuff and so just a completely different which isn't again necessarily always a bad thing um but was a strange pairing and he's on tour so he had he didn't have draw you know he was counting on the local bands to bring people yeah it was like a a early tour Mm -hmm. for him Mm -hmm. so so then you're counting, yeah, like you said, then you're counting on the local bands. Mm-hmm. So we uh, were still a fairly new band from a town, you know, two hours away. So we, we couldn't really get the convoy together for whatever reason this time around. So we only managed to bring one friend with us and we're trying to get people we knew in Seattle to come. But mm-hmm. it was just one of those nights where like no one can really go. It's a bad night for everybody. So now it all depends on the third band who is the Seattle band. Mm -hmm. And so they, spoiler alert, they brought nobody. (laughs) Like literally nobody. Nobody. They might as well have brought negative people. It was like, like they just showed up just them the whole night and didn't bring a soul. And they were one of those bands that, that acted like they were, the bi- a big deal too like some sort of headliner with a draw even though they brought nobody and so they weren't mean or snotty but they just had this like aura of like we have arrived you know and then they got on stage and they were playing you know they were playing as if the place was packed which is fine um and they were they kept saying stuff like if you want to book us you know we're all booked up for the next you know six months but get in touch yeah (laughs) also like it was like that part in truman show where he's like who are you talking to (laughs) like you're literally (laughs) talking to us and the bartender yeah but they had this like pre-rehearsed like dialogue that so i want to say we've said in the past act as if Mm -hmm. you know act bigger than you are get on stage put on a show you're on stage like do your thing like i i totally stand by all that but when you're in front of literally nobody but the other band and I, I think maybe that's the time to sort of pivot a little bit mm-hmm. and maybe cut the middle part of the set where like you break it down and there's like now there's all of a sudden there's like a fucking piano on stage and it's like the 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 ballad part of the set before you ramp it back up to the rock part of the set. This happened. I don't remember that. You remember some of this stuff way more than i do about the actual like music just baffling because yeah. it's like well obviously that's the part you should cut mm-hmm. and maybe just you know then there's no change over where you're changing to the piano and stuff and let's just get through this thing there's no one here 
I just I mean, go. And also just awareness of the other people you're playing the show with. If there's no one there, this poor guy from Portland and then us from Bellingham, we all have to like we have to drive home after. We want to we don't want to stay <laughs> any longer than we have to. And this other, he probably just wanted to get back in his van and crawl into a sleeping bag, you know, and get his like $20 or if he's lucky that he made for that night. And, uh, and it just is polite to let the other bands go (laughs) home. And our set was, was bad because it's, you know, it kind of just, no matter how much you try to get up there and, and do your best when it's literally nobody, you know, you're really in your own head Mm -hmm. and you're thinking about everything that went into the night and starting to kind of learn these lessons instantly. And I'm on stage playing a set, but I'm already thinking about, okay, here's what we're never going to do again. Mm -hmm. Here's how we can do it differently. I never want this to happen again. And that was very much the conversation driving home mm-hmm. is like, then those lessons really started to be learned. And we're talking about like, okay, that sucked so bad. And I want to be home so bad. How do we never let this happen ever again? Those drive homes could be brutal. Whenever we had a bad Seattle show and then it's two hours in like the middle of the night driving home, just feeling crappy. Yeah. And just talking about, you know, you're trying to stay positive and, and not like, you know, I'm trying not to bum you out too much. You're trying not to bum me out too much. So we're trying to like, well, you know, I mean, it, it was cool to like, blah, blah, blah. And those tacos were good. And yeah, <laughs> or, you know, we can, now we can get another show with them and do it this way instead. And we, it helped build our relationship with the venue and yeah, just whatever thing you can think of that's somewhat positive. So then, you know, then those, like I said, those lessons of like, okay, we can't just rely on the Seattle band. It Mm -hmm. worked once and then it immediately didn't work again. Mm -hmm. We can't rely on these bands just because they're the local band. Mm -hmm. We really have to be more smart and more strategic. So now let's jump forward in time to when we were trying to be that way. (laughs) Yeah, there's always struggles. And when you're when you're sort of trying to home base yourself in a town you don't live in, it can be very hit or miss too, because um, you're not as familiar with the other bands in the scene, and you're not as able to cherry pick your bills, which was kind of what we were working towards. Was we want to be able to set up the shows and pick the bands, make relationships with other bands, and say, okay, let's get together and play a show together. Yeah, that's it. That's an interesting concept that we kind of haven't talked about is mm-hmm. you try to like team up mm-hmm. and and going back to that first packed amazing show at the high dive. Th- that was the first time we met a band called Wild English. They don't exist anymore, but but they were awesome. They were super fr- fun. They brought a lot of people. We learned a lot mm-hmm. from them about promotion and stuff. And we did end up teaming up with them and probably played like six to 10 shows together. Yeah. One of the band members was from Bell. At least one of them was from Bellingham. And so we would trade shows all the time back and forth. Yeah. Which was ideal. Ended up being a, a good partnership. Yeah. So jumping forward in time. Now this is towards the end of that band, the shows, mm-hmm. um, which if you've listened to the podcast before, you know, puts me in a very bad mental state. 
and um, so we had not been practicing because we've talked about this a lot but we had a drummer at the time who we just had a lot of problems you know getting to commit to actually being in the band <laughs> at all and we're starting to this is right in the midst of like starting to have communication issues and like passive aggressiveness go on and this type of stuff but we're trying to enact all these lessons we've learned over the years and bring this new kid in on drums to like you know be committed and stuff Mm -hmm. so we end up booking a show at the oldest venue in seattle it's called the central saloon and you know this this show was probably the worst show um just in regards to like um what it sort of the effects it had on me it's an it's sort of the turning point of everything for us in a lot of ways and the end of that band yeah yeah it kind of ended that night but um but i do want to say that the central saloon is amazing mm-hmm. and pretty much every show since then has been great mm-hmm. um I, I love playing there it's we it's kind of a second home in seattle for us now mm-hmm. and and we can't wait to get back there yeah um mike is awesome yeah that runs it yeah he he often does sound um just the nicest uh, most accommodating person and as we pl- have played there as separator and had working through how to s- do our setup um he's really helped us a lot in the midst of technical difficulties mm-hmm. giving us advice on how to change up our setup to make it work for the sound engineer and the venue without being like i they, they just suck <laughs> yeah michael michael gill yeah he's great um so this was can we pinpoint a year 2016 it was i think it was in like late in the year so it would have been like right before we ended the band so probably okay maybe 2000 no that'd be 2016 2016 yeah, yeah. It's 2017 was when we okay yeah. all right so 2016 I'm in, I'm in rough mental shape. This is really starting to wear on us, this band. And we're starting to see it fall apart before our eyes, but kind of not realizing it yet. But we do have this show in Seattle that we're really trying to promote, really trying to learn how to make sure that people are there and, and do this Seattle thing right. We're not quite there yet, but we're starting to learn. So So it's kind of the thing that's keeping us excited. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's not going very well with this kid on drums, but we do have this show coming up. Yeah, because we've learned a lot about how to book shows, obviously, and how to connect with venues. And so that part was getting easier. The actual band was getting worse. Worse. <laughs> the band was getting, just in terms of like how he sounded. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because there wasn't much practice going on. because he, t- It was tough to nail down and stuff. So like the actual sound of our band was getting worse. Um, so we, we show up at the central saloon and, uh, and I'll let you cover that whole, the, the load in opening. Yeah. We load in, um, we're there on time, you know, do our thing, meet everyone. And this, the first band starts to show up and there are six people. I think so. Or so in the band. It doesn't really matter. There's a lot of people in the band and they start loading in and they keep loading in and they're loading, they're bringing in stuff for probably a solid 15 to 20 minutes. They're just bringing stuff in, not even starting to set up. Oh, longer. 
longer. Yeah, it was it was like they would start to set up and then other ones would leave and keep bringing stuff in. There was, I want to, I believe there was at least three laptops on the stage. There's like three laptops. There was like five guitars. Mm-hmm. And they start to get on stage and plug things in and set things up. And, um, and it just goes on and on and on. Someone will like run back. Oh, I got to grab a cable. I forgot. And like wait for them to come back a couple minutes later with the one cable. And then the other person like, oh, my guitar strap. And like wait for them to come back with the guitar strap. And we watch start time of the gig just fly by. Fly by. And they're still setting up. And we're getting so frustrated. And we kind of we kind of feel out the door person at one point. We're just <laughs> really annoyed. And I think we were on our way outside. And we caught really really right away how annoyed the the door person was too and he said to us that most of the stuff they were using on the stage this was the first time they were testing it out it was the first time they'd like ever used some of this equipment and instead of you know trying out one new thing they were trying i think every single person in the band had some new thing they had never used in a live show before which was like a lot most uh, most of them it was a laptop yeah and so they're setting up this kind of like tech routing and stuff to their like to their instruments to their digital instruments and all this stuff and and you know they're they're a new they were a seattle band but they were also a new band Mm -hmm. and so like they also aren't really bringing people and it's just like it was it was like watching a band set up at like key arena where they have half of the day to mm-hmm. set up. Yeah. They, it took a minimum an hour for them to set up went way past the start time. And so then, you know, you're getting to the point where sound check, it's like, don't, please don't sound check, just play. <laughs> but they did and they yeah. sound checked forever. So now we feel like we've already been watching this band for like 90 minutes and then they finally start and whatever. It's, it's fine. They're, it's okay. they're fine. It, it was kind of a cool mix with like electronic and and rock and stuff totally fine and uh then it was our turn yeah yeah we get on stage and again the it's always tough when the first band takes forever or something really frustrating happens because it then you have to psych yourself up so much more <laughs> to get on stage yeah and especially for me it's it's such an obstacle for me because i can it's so easy for me to get derailed like that. And then I just like, I feel like I can't get back on track. Like I, you know, it's this thing I, I'm, I struggle with, but I'm getting better at where like, you know, it's like the whole night has to go perfectly smoothly or I'm going to be so like wound up when we, and stressed out when we get on stage. That's not going to be good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really remember that much about our set, about setting up or anything like that. I just remember the show itself so bad was bad it was really bad um our drummer had this habit he's a really talented drummer and that's why we brought him in and the few times we managed to practice he was always pretty much flawless on drumming yeah because keep in mind we've mentioned before he was like uh like a trained drummer Mm -hmm. he liked to he like did drum in like jazz band or something Mm -hmm. and just was naturally talented and passionate about it and was really great um and as soon as we he had so he also had family come to see this show and so the second he got on stage in general he would start to show off but if his sister or his girlfriend showed up 
all of a sudden it was like it was all about him and it was it was his time to show off and he would get really fast he would in practice we never had an issue with tempo ever and he would just speed up the song so much sometimes he would have like a click going in Mm -hmm. his in-ears at practice to like keep us on tempo and really work on like the groove and the pocket of the song which was so great and yeah and then it makes it that much more frustrating when you show up to the gig and it's like oh my sister's here you know it's like dude what the hell and so another thing to keep in mind is uh is this was so much more this issue was so much worse for us because we didn't have a bassist Mm -hmm. it was drums and guitar and vocals Mm -hmm. so like you know like a white stripe setup or yeah 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 setup where the guitar and the drums without a bass to glue everything together we have to be locked in Mm -hmm. like really locked in to make this these songs work and it was just it felt like a drum showcase and then like some guitar was making some noise off to the side Mm -hmm. (laughs) i couldn't really tell what was happening yeah and And you're trying to sing over i'm trying to sing my voice isn't at the its greatest because we've been practicing half an hour once a week or something (laughs) and he starts playing so fast and you know in a band you need to be able to communicate with each other and um so at one point i just turned around and not mean i just i just was kind of you need to slow down just to kickstart that because sometimes you realize that and our old drummer would do that a lot too you don't realize how fast you're going so we kind of got into this oh if it's starting to get fast we need to we need to step in and go oops we're going too fast so that was the intention behind it but he also unfortunately had some major issues with interacting with me um just not respecting women we we knew some of his personal friends and and relationships too and it wasn't limited to the band um and so since i said it to him in particular being a woman uh it did not go well no a flip of a, a flip was switched <laughs> a switch <laughs> was, was flipped, flipped. and uh, that might have been the end of the band mm-hmm. is you telling him hey you need to slow down if i had said it i think it would have gone over better but mm-hmm. um but that was still it. not great but a little better so it doesn't get better the rest of the sh- it's a total shit show and so by the end of the set i well by the end of the set i wanted to end it because like mm-hmm. i said you sort of have to pivot mm-hmm. when you're on stage and realize the feeling in the room and stuff and so we had like two songs left and i turned to him like let's cut one and he was like, no, no, let's play it. Because he still wanted to show off on drums for his like sister and his dad or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, and so we played the full set against our better judgment. And by the end, I was just, I hadn't felt like that before. I felt like I w- wanted to announce on stage that I quit music forever <laughs> and don't know why I ever tried to do this and like run out you know Mm -hmm. it's a it's a a feeling that's really hard to describe and continued to happen at our shows with this guy and uh it was really hard to deal with but that that's how i felt by the end of the show Mm -hmm. and it wasn't our last show with him but it became impossible to ignore quickly after that that it was never going to get any better and so we're loading out for the show we've done the show show's over 
you can tell everyone knows it was bad. We know it was bad. I'm drenched in sweat and just like fucking done standing outside and, uh, and telling Steph, like, I don't want to do this anymore. And it's kind of the first time I said that. Mm -hmm. And the first time I realized it, like, maybe, maybe this is sunk cost fallacy. Like, why are we doing this? We need to, and like, what I didn't realize at the time is what eventually happened is we need to scrap this and, and really change. Mm -hmm. And, um, which is of course what ended up happening. But at the time it was just like, I don't want to have a band. This Mm -hmm. this sucks. Mm Mm-hmm. And so now out comes the drummer. We're we're trying very hard not to say his name. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to. Yeah, we don't want to put anything on a person because there were issues on both ends. Yeah, issues on both ends, and also this is 2016. It's been years. We haven't spoken to him. I don't know if he's gone and like really tried to change and get help, and maybe he's you know. conquered some demons or whatever so far be it from us to put it out there that this guy sucked so we're not going to say his name but um so at the time he did suck (laughs) (laughs) so audi comes with the drums and i'm like i look and i'm just like that was i i don't even know what to say about that man and he looks he looks at me and he goes vocals man the vocals as like talking about yeah like like i'm the one who is fully responsible for the show being bad he also seemed to not he mentioned vibrato specifically one time as if that's the worst sin vocally there's i mean so many vocalists use vibrato and it's in its of itself is not a problem i as i've said before my voice wasn't 100 percent on point here but it also didn't fully matter because of the type of the music we were playing too i could kind of get away with being a little rough and when it's a when it's a fast rock song that's supposed to be like 120 bpm that's being played at 200 bpm and has all these unnecessary fills and stuff and is a total disaster and who cares about the vocals i wasn't i couldn't even keep up with mm-hmm. like listening to the vocals and i can't sing properly if the guitar is not happening properly because the drums aren't prop- happening properly and i'm there's a groove that the vocals depend on as well so it was a, it was a bad night mm-hmm. probably one of the worst nights of my life as far as just like where i was mentally and thinking about like what we had been trying to do for the last like five years or however long it had been and and you know coming out of that later was was very good and of course you know it was the start of the collapse of one thing and the start of separator and really pivoting and really trying to learn and implement a lot of new things. And that has all been great, but it starts at that, that night. That night it was will so forever bad. be. <laughs> and the, the, the fact that he looked at me and was like, vocals, vocals, man. Like, that's why it was bad. Mm-hmm. That's what was bad about it. And that just kind of started this whole like, oh, it's, we're not a band. And this he doesn't. Is, he you either, against us. Yeah, and he either doesn't have any concept of how much of a problem his drumming is, or he knows, but he's so defensive that we will never be able to solve the issue. So, one little uh, like side note about a uh, funny, funny anecdote about. I know that last story wasn't funny because it just sucked so much yeah. and was kind of a dark story, but. One little funny thing is um, 
is that even at our last show ever with him, he like held on to that comment that you said mm-hmm. because like we started playing at our last show. I thought the tempo was perfect. We were really tight on that show. We c- the monitoring was really good. We could hear ourselves. I think we were, we were playing really well. And then like after the first song, it was like, Hey, 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 you, you have to slow down. Like to me, <laughs> it's like you start the song, dude. <laughs> the last word, yeah. Just gotta stuff get that he in would say like that show. that would make absolutely no sense. He would that would that was one thing we realized later on that just so much of what was said just didn't make any sense. It was just him flailing out to like have some sort of power over us. <laughs> Those dark times. Those really dark times. And it, it again like i i can't reiterate enough how much like i didn't even know we didn't even know how bad it was at Mm -hmm, the time mm -hmm. we didn't know how wrong we were going about things we didn't know how far we had sunk into sunk cost fallacy Mm -hmm. and and it was just we were in a giant pit that we made ourselves Mm -hmm. and that's really part of the message of this podcast is you know we had that experience we've been there we've been through that and and it was really fucking bad and did a number on me mentally i'm sure you yeah, as well we had we had some really rough times even after just trying to sort of process what we had let happen and and out of that came a, a really positive thing that that we've both really been enjoying Mm -hmm. and and that's not to say that it's perfect because we do have those mental health check-in episodes where we talk about some issues but those are very minor light things compared to what was going on back then Mm -hmm. back then Mm -hmm. so we want to leave you with that i hope that that was it's fun to listen to some some rough gig stories and stuff but but it, it does all come down to that which is like um things got things got a lot better Mm -hmm. yeah and uh, they keep getting better like you said we still have it it doesn't go completely smoothly all the time but we're learning we're just continuing to learn every single time we work on music better how to work together and how to make the music better yeah and how to be fulfilled and happy with what we're doing and, Mm -hmm. and be happy with the product and feel like we at least know somewhat of what we're doing when it comes to like promotion or booking and production and, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And, and so that's, that's the journey we've invited you on with us. We, we hope you're enjoying it. We'll be back with sort of a continuation on this mm-hmm. conversation, uh, in from a different angle. Um, how would you put it? It's like a, uh, yeah, it's, it's sort of an expansion on the conversation we're starting here. Um, and we're going to, we're going to actually record it right now, but it'll be released a week apart. Yeah. It's almost like a two parter. Mm -hmm. So, so thanks for listening and, um, feel free to share any gig horror stories. If you have them, if (laughs) any other bands or musicians are, are listening, would love to hear that. And, uh, and we'll see you next time. I'm Joe. And I'm Stephanie. We're separator. Bye. Bye.